Hello everybody, you listen to the TV Zone Podcast Movie Edition episode. I'm your host Jay, and I'll be talking about 1989's Do the Right Thing. Damn man, do I have to spell it out? Come on, man, make it plain. Okay, but listen up. I'm gonna break it down. Let it be broke, motherfucker. Can you dig it? It's done. Look at those Korean motherfuckers across the street. I bet you they haven't been off the fort a year before they open up their own place. That's right, man. It's been about a year. A motherfucking year off the motherfucking fort, and they already got a business in our neighborhood, a good business, occupying a building that had been boarded up for longer than I care to remember. And I've been here a long time. And now for the life of me, you know, I can't figure this out. Either them Korean motherfuckers are geniuses, or you black asses are just plain dumb. <laughs> Fuck you. It's got to be because we are black. Ain't no other wait, explanation. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, I know, man. You, you know, man, true, ain't they always trying to keep the black, black man to be about shit? Oh, I'm saying. You motherfuckers hold this shit down. Tired of hearing that old excuse. Tired of hearing that shit. This is a special. TV Zone podcast movie edition episode um, that I decided to do um, since it's very timely to be talking about this film, even though it came out 31 years ago. Do the right thing, that is. Um, so, with like I said, with everything that's been going on with the whole George Floyd murder and uh, pro- police brutality and all the protest that's been going on, I decided to do this episode as a TV zone episode because um, I want to do it as an additional episode of, as I was going through the stuff on movie talk that I'm doing old school June with, I decided to kind of nestle this in, but you know, release it as a TV zone episode. So um, if you was expecting to hear a TV show podcast review, that's uh, still some time down the road before we be getting back to doing regular TV zone podcast uh, TV episodes. But uh, in the meantime, you're going to sit back and hear me kind of talk about the movie Do the Right Thing, directed by Spike Lee, um, written by Spike Lee. Came out in 1989. You know, it's synonymous with this movie because, I mean, it plays throughout the whole movie, um, which I'll talk about that uh, as I get into talking more about this movie. But um, before, of course, talking about the movie, I want to talk about the cast. I mean, this movie has a great cast um that's assembled here so we have uh danny aiella as sal ozzy davis as the mayor ruby d as mother sister richard edison as Vito, goncalo esposito as bugging out spike lee as mookie bill nunn the late great bill nunn as radio raheem john Turturro as pino paul benjamin as ml Frankie Faison as Coconut Sid, Robin Harris as Sweet Dick Willie. That's my name. We have Rick Ayala as Officer Long, John Savage as Clifton, Samuel L. Jackson as Mr. Senior Love Daddy, the DJ that is, Rosie Perez in her first role as Tina, Roger Guinevere Smith as Smiley, uh, let's see, we've got Martin Lawrence. He shows up here as C. Uh, Frank Vincent has a role in this, which is priceless, as uh, Charlie, the uh, guy that's driving the Cadillac, which I'll talk about that scene. 
and I'm kind of going to end it right there. I mean, but let's like the major cast that we have here um, and everything. And of course, like I said, it was directed by Spike Lee. This was, uh, I would say this is the movie that really put Spike on the map and everything. And what's funny about it is that I'm someone that has a, I won't say love hate relationship when it comes to his movies, but there's some of his movies like this movie that, I feel are very important and impactful. Same goes for school days, uh, jungle fever as well. And then there's some where Spike kind of goes off on, on these, uh, heavy handed tangents with some of his films or whatnot. And they don't, they don't always hit and everything. And I know for a long time he had a, I want to say a, a beef with the with Hollywood and the Academy because when he did Malcolm X Switch, I I might review at some point. I mean, it's a long freaking movie, and I might do it at some point. But he he directed Malcolm X, and the movie is very long, and he puts it out there like everything from Malcolm Little to Malcolm X and everything. Denzel Washington does a damn good job playing Malcolm X. Um, probably the best Malcolm X portrayal of anyone so far that's played Malcolm X in the movie. It's the only movie really that, on a wide scale, that is even known when it comes to about Malcolm X's life and everything and and everything like that. But for some reason Spike Lee has had it out against the Academy one he kind of let it go about do the right thing he felt do the right thing should have been nominated and got a lot of praise and this that and the other but with Malcolm X is where it really stuck with him and should Denzel Washington have won the Academy Award for Malcolm X yes I do believe he should have but do I think the movie in totality should have gotten you and asked me praise and everything that's kind of debatable because the movie hasn't aged well and i know at the time that the movie came out it should have been recognized and stuff like that but looking back at it and everything the movie hasn't aged well it it seems dated with how and to me i think spike lee as a from a director standpoint is not the greatest director because he he has this way of of where he is the way he films and, and shoots movies is very simplistic. And I've always said that he's somewhat like the black Woody Allen when it comes to his filmmaking. I know that might sound controversial to some people or whatnot, but if you just look at how they position the films and everything, and generally all of their films to kind of compare them to generally all of their films takes place in certain sections in New York or whatnot. And there i know that they relate to the movies very personally but i don't think a lot of people that's not from those sections you know in new york they relate to them on a wide scale but i will say that even with saying that spike lee has made some films that you know to the masses they're considered controversial but to everyone really they are very important and timely and stuff like that and so that's kind of my feelings when it comes to Spike Lee I like some of his movies but at the same time I don't like some of his movies um or whatnot so um getting into talking about this movie um I mean you can't go 
talking you can't start talking about this movie without talking about the opening dance number that Rosa Perez does to public enemies fight the power and right there you kind of know what you're getting in because that dance and, and that song and how it plays out and everything is one of the best and the fact that Rosa Perez was a professional dancer it worked and just the different like outfits that she has on and everything to me that's like an iconic moment in cinema anyway because here you have this you know latino woman um that's doing this dancing you you wouldn't really see anything like that at the time and you still really don't see stuff like that even now where a movie opens with something like that um and everything and let's say just with with this being her first movie because it, it does say it's introducing rosa perez so you know it's like her first movie and this is your first you know image of her doing this scene and it is like i say a very standout powerful opening to a movie so after that we get the day started because it, it takes place in one day for anyone who doesn't know who's never seen do the right thing um it takes place on the course of one day, one very hot summer day, the hottest day. And you have the DJ played by Samuel Jackson, Mr. Senior Love Daddy. That's over the radio station is right there on this little section in Brooklyn. Best I'd be exact. He's like your overall narrator of what's going on and everyone you know is kind of getting their day started we see where Mookie you know he wakes up and getting ready for work we see the mayor as he wakes up out of his slumber and is about to get ready for the day that he's gonna have ahead of him and everything like that which I, I thought it very interesting that you have this this kind of very I want to say close-knit neighborhood because everyone pretty much knows everybody in this neighborhood and and everything like that and as everyone walks past the radio station the dj gives them shout outs at different points and times throughout the movie whether it's in the foreground of where they're focused on the radio station or even like just hearing it in the background you'll hear like the dj giving somebody a shout out as they're walking by I always i kind of like that touch about this movie um i mean there are a lot of interesting characters that appear in this movie which i'll get into some of them um, and everyone does a great job in this movie from an acting standpoint. It almost feels like it's a play in a lot of ways because it's just a small section of this town and everyone kind of gets a moment to shine at different points in times. The, everyone kind of gets a little bit of focus in, in different ways and each character seems very unique and, and it feels like these are people that probably Spike Lee have probably knew when he grew up in New York there at different points in time, it'd be interesting to know like who exactly was the mayor uh, based off of was, was he really some old wine old dude that he, he knew when he grew up and everything like that. Or, you know, or was it like a combination of people? I've never really, I, I never really done like the, like dug deep and listened to him really give interviews and anything about like how he came up with some of the characters for this movie. But a lot of these characters are very rich and, you know, they seem like real people and everything. And you might re be able to relate to some of these people that show up, that come in and out of this movie um, and everything. Um, So we're introduced to Sal and his two sons played by John Turturro and Richard Edison of uh, Pino and Vito. And they own the pizza shop that is located in this small section of uh, Bed-Stuy and whatnot. And, Right off the bat, you get the sense that um, that Pino is 
is a, is a piece of trash, really. Um, John Turturro, he he he's very good at playing this this racist Italian character um, and everything. Because as soon as they get there, his first the first thing that he says out of his mouth is, "I really hate this place." Why do you hate this place so much? This is where you work. Now, his dad and his brother don't seem to hate the place. Sal actually enjoys the fact that he has this pizza shop that he's had for over 20 something years. And he's proud to serve the people of this neighborhood. He actually feels like he's given to this community in a way or whatnot. Like I said, I'm going to talk a little bit more about their relationship as the movie kind of goes on. I really paid attention to some some things as i watched it kind of watching it now as a 34 year old man and everything opposed to when i watched it a lot when i was a kid and i would watch it and i would understand certain things but at the same time i really didn't understand certain things when i would watch this movie as a kid but this was the first time in a long time that i've watched it and actually paid attention to it as an adult i mean of course the the back and forth like racial stuff that's in your face but it's the smaller little things that kind of really stood out to me this time watching it because like i said i'm watching it and want to do the podcast for it and just kind of focus on the little details that that kind of stick out when you really pay attention to them so um like i say pino has a issue with working in the neighborhood for whatever reason because he's racist i mean that is the overall reason but it's like well, if your dad is not like that and your brother's not like that, why exactly are you like that? And they never really dive deep into that, but there seemed to be something a little bit more deep rooted in regards to Pino and why he had this this kind of way about him as far as he hated working and being around these black people in a black neighborhood, even though that's where he worked and that's where they make their money and everything. Um, So... One character I want to kind of talk about is that of the mayor played by Ozzy Davis, who's basically this this drunk wino who walks up and down the street in this kind of ratted up suit. It looks like a suit as if he had some like like it's always been interesting about his character because you don't get really like a full backstory of him even though there's little things in regards to like the the relationship between him and ruby d's character mother sister you know that there's something there you just don't know what it was like what drove him to be in the position that he's in was it that he he held some type of political office or something like that because he's referred to as the mayor and everything and everyone for the most part do look up and kind of respect him even though he's a drunken fool um to some degree but a few of the people who live in the neighborhood they do respect him in a way and he he does give words of wisdom when it's necessary to certain people um most infamously is probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is where mookie is doing one of his pizza runs and he walks past him Come here, doctor. Man, I gotta go. I'm working. I'm working. I'm working. Doctor, this is the mayor talking. All right, all right. Doctor, come on. What? What? Always do the right thing. That's it. That's it. I got it. I'm gone. It's like, why would he stop him and tell him that? And then certain things he would tell other people. Plus, he's the voice of reason towards the end of the movie 
to not do what they end up doing to Sal's pizza reel. Even though they, they don't listen to him at that point, but he does try to stop it from happening. Um, and of course, he saves a little kid's life um, who almost get run down by a car. And just the way Ozzy Davis plays, he plays it in a way that that character could have easily been. I, I think if someone else played that role, it would have been completely different than what Ozzy Davis did. What he does a fantastic job as the mayor of Bed-Stuy. Um So moving on from that we we see where um we get bugging out played by the great Goncalo Esposito who he's just a mess in this movie um he comes into sales and he wants he, he wants a slice and he gets the slice and then he sits down and this is where the little I want to say like the seeds are starting to be planted about what's going to eventually happen later on in the movie because as he sits down to take a bite of the slice of pizza he looks up and he sees all the italian you know celebrities on the wall you got your al pacino's robert de niro's i think frank sinatra is one of them as well a couple other people it showed joe dimaggio i think is even up there too and he just he just asked sounds like hey sal how come you ain't got no brothers on the wall and sal gets offended by this for some reason and he's like, we spend, he say, I don't see no Italians coming in here, but I see plenty of black people coming in here and spending major money in here. And I'm just asking why you don't have no, no brothers on the wall. So, so Sal, he gets very upset. He takes the baseball bat as if he, he read, a, you know, beat the hell out of him or whatnot. And of all people, Pino is the one who stops him. You know, he takes the bat from him. Or whatnot, which I thought was interesting. He's the one that stops us like, hmm, but why did Sal get so upset about it? Because he he asked a legit question. Why you don't have any brothers on the wall? And Sal can't give him a reason. And there's never a reason given for that. And yes, it's his place in this and everything like that. But you would think that he would have at least one or two, you know, he could have had Sidney Poitier up there because, I mean, a lot of people love Sidney Poitier, you know, not just black people, white people. I think even Italian people, I think I could be wrong on that. But, um, you know, just somebody that unanimously is looked at and revered, I think, from a person of, you know, a black person would not could have been up on the wall. But he gets so offended when he's asked about this. So so basically, uh, Sal kicks kicks a uh, bugging out out the um, pizza reel and kicks him out and he has Mookie do it and then you know he talks to Mookie on the outside he's like hey, what's wrong what's wrong he's like he's like look you are gonna get me in trouble I gotta work here and everything and so Mookie finds himself like in a weird position in regards to that so he goes back in sounds like that's your friend it's like if he's gonna if that's your friend then he needs to you know learn how to behave himself and this that and the other and Mookie kind of just brushes him off and goes about his day or whatnot. Um, so one of the standout scenes in this movie, too, is the whole fire hydrant scene, which is always funny to me. Because, I mean, it's the hottest day of the summer. And, you know, the kids are out playing on the street and everything. And then, of course, they loosen the uh, fire hydrant on the corner and got water just splashing to the street. The kids out in the bathing suits. Everybody's getting wet. Um, you got Martin, uh, his character C and his group, they, uh, Punchy and, um, I think the girl named Ella, they, they, there and 
And Punchy, he grabs up Ella. He takes her over. She gets completely soaked and she gets pissed at him, which is funny, hilarious. Smiley, uh, who's basically a, I want to say he's like a black, he, he, I guess he's a Muslim, but he stutters real bad or uh, whatnot. And he's always trying to like sell off stuff as far as like in regards to like Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. They push him over into the water and everything. So as they just having fun or whatnot. Here comes freaking Frank Vincent in this Cadillac. Hey, yo! Oh, don't be fucking with the water now. Oh, man, go ahead, man. Go ahead. You got it. There's going to be a lot of fucking trouble if you get this car wet. Ain't nobody fucking around, man. Won't you just go ahead? It's an antique there, hot shot. Man, go ahead. It's a water. Hey, man, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, man. All right, okay. You won't get wet, man. Yeah, well, make sure I don't. Go ahead. You're not going. And then he says that the mayor was a witness to it. And so they go over to the ask him and he's like, and the mayor basically gives him this riddle that doesn't make sense, but at the same time makes sense. And he's just standing there looking confused. And and uh, one cop tells him like, sir, I would advise you to get in your car before the residents here decide to, um, you know, do something about it. And so he gets in the car and drives off. And then, um, the cop uh, played by Rick Ayala, he goes over and turns off the fire hydrant and tell him that, you know, he, he gives him a warning by like this thing better not come back open or whatnot, or it's gonna be hell to pay from him and everything like that. But I always find this thing very funny. Just how Frank Vincent just come riding through there. It's like why are you why are you even riding through there? Like like where the heck were you even coming from or going? Is what I'm trying to forget that you had to go through this particular block. But that was always kinda interesting to me. Um, so one of, I would say probably next to, or even more important than the mayor of the neighborhood, Radio Raheem probably gets the most respect from everybody. He, he just seems like the person that you don't mess with in the neighborhood. And if you live anywhere, there's always at least that one person that you might be cool with them, but you don't, but nobody knew not to mess with them. And I know like in my old neighborhood when I was growing up that there was a, there was one dude that was kind of like that where you were, yeah you was cool with him but you but you know you knew not to mess with him because you know he'd mess you up in a way and and that's kind of how radio raheem was and he walks around all day with the whole with this big boom box playing nothing but fight the power um 
on it and they even he's even asked a couple of times like why are you like that the only song you play and everything he's like that's the only thing i like and and everything like which is funny but uh the standout scene with him of course before we get to the end of the movie the standout scene is the whole love hate uh scene because he walks around with the brass brass knuckle on gold brass knuckles with love and hate which is a play off of uh the old movie the night of the hunter with uh robert mitchum where he plays this uh this preacher and he has a tattoo on his hands he has love on his right hate on the other and he tells the story of right hand left hand and i did like how spike kind of incorporated that into this and the whole thing of where he says if i love you then i love you but if i hate you and he just leaves it at that and he said but i love you mookie and everything shakes his hand with, with the love hand um and everything and i always felt like that's a very powerful scene too like how that plays out because i mean it is that very simple love and hate it is a, a constant struggle of love and hate yeah, i mean there's a message right there right but uh he gets a lot of respect from people and, he, and then there's even one scene where he's walking down the block and like uh, some of the uh spanish dudes that's sitting on the block or they're sitting on the corner and everything well on their steps i should say and they playing their music and whatnot radio raheem he come through that blast and fight the power and they get pissed at him so then it's like they want to try to have a dog on radio battle with him now he has this huge boom box thing that has like the state of the art for 1989 it's state of the art thing and they got this little small radio that's sitting on top of the car don't have no bass to it or whatnot and then he gonna go down there he tries to turn up stevie that is he tries to turn up turn his up radio raheem just turns up a volume on it and he doesn't even turn the knob he just turns up one of the levels not even the knob he had to turn stevie had to turn up the knob on his he raheem just turns up a level on his and this thing drowns that thing out. he turns his down and he's like respect bro like that and so then radio raheem he starts walking down the street and he's pumping his fist because like he didn't want to battle and the little kid rolls up to him give him a high five and everything which is just like i said just a like a little funny scene that plays there so next thing i want to talk about is the three wise men that you get in this movie well that's what i refer to them as the three wise men that's uh the characters of ml sweet dick willie and coconut see it that sits under the they're sitting on this corner they don't do nothing but they just sit there talk a whole bunch of trash to each other talk about the neighborhood and this that and the other and whatnot and it's funny how I didn't realize that Robert Harris was as young as he was because um, he was just in his, well, in fact, I think in that movie in 89, yeah, he would have been, what, 33, 32, 33, I believe at that time because he passed away a few years later at 35, but I always thought that he was much older than what he was um, and everything. I was surprised to find out that he was only 35 years old, Um, but I mean, of course, uh, Paul Benjamin, who plays ML, he's an older dude. I think everything I pretty much seen. I think this is the the youngest. Well, no, actually, Escape from Alcatraz. That's the youngest I ever seen him in. But I always knew that he was somewhat of an older dude. But and then Frankie Faison, who I mean, he always showing up as something, right? Um, but yeah, I was surprised that uh, Robin Harris was like he was the youngest. I think of the three. And just the fact that they kind of remind me of these dudes and this, they kind of remind me of the dudes that, um, 
in the neighborhood where my grandmother used to live that used to sit down on the corner and everything like that. They remind me a lot of them. That's why I said earlier about the fact that there's always, there's at least, I would say a couple of people in this movie that you can relate to, or, you know, from wherever you might live at least. And they reminded me of them. Cause they did. They used to sit underneath the tree and everything like this and just talk and drink and stuff, which is basically what these jokers do throughout most of the movie. Um, but one of the most standout scenes in the movie too comes from them where they're sitting there and you got the cop car it rides by and just staring them down they're staring back at them and as they get long past them one cop says to some what a waste and everything and it just it's one of those scenes where you know in regards to how the police look at black men in a way because here you have a hispanic cop and a white cop that's riding by looking at three black men sitting on the corner and it's just a you know they're just sitting there they're not bothering anybody or whatnot but to them they is what a waste that they're sitting there you know like what why is it such of a waste anyway but um but they have some good banter back and forth throughout the movie and everything plus you try to figure out why exactly sweet dick willie his name sweet dick willie and he's like everybody know why they call me sweet dick willie and everything and what does ML stand for? ML stands for ML or whatnot. And they go back and forth and they have like this whole beef with the uh, Korean people that has a shop there because ML is pissed about the fact that the Koreans who probably like fresh off the boat and they were able to start up their own business in a black neighborhood when it seems like the two most successful uh things next to the radio station in the neighborhood is Sal's Pizzeria and this Korean uh, corner store where it's like well where are the black businesses there are no black businesses it seems like in this neighborhood at all or whatnot and ML has like a issue with them and, and Willie he's like right there with you, you, know, you motherfuckers always talking that old Keith Sweat shit I'm gone yeah. I'm gonna do this I'm gonna do that you ain't gonna do a goddamn thing but sit y'all monkey ass on this corner. Hey, ML, when you gonna get your business? Huh? Yeah, just like I thought, you ain't gonna do a goddamn thing. But I tell you what I'm gonna do. Hear me? I'm gonna go over there and get them Koreans some more of my money. The fuck out of my way. Goddamn, it's Miller time, motherfuckers. Old moosehead fuckers tell me what to do. And Coconut, you got a lot of damn nerve. You got off the boat, too. Hell, leave me alone. Hey, Kung Fu! Go on, give me one of them damn beers, damn it. Get your ass no in here, sir. Yeah. No more free beer. Hey, man. No more free beer. Don't start no shit with me. Sweet dick. That's right. Sweet dick Willie's my name. That's my name. Sweet dick. It's a motherfucking shame. This man ain't that a bitch. One of the other things I want to talk about is Spike Lee's performance in this movie. Because Spike Lee is looked at as. He's one of the. One of the three central characters i would say because i would say that mookie the mayor and sal are like your three essential characters and everyone supports around them in a way and i know this is around the time when spike lee was always showing up in his movies and everything but this one is one of the few times where he's looked at as a main lead and I feel I always wondered like how did he come up with the idea to play this part? Um, was he like Mookie 
in real life that's why he felt he should play the part or or something because like I say he's not terrible in the role but I feel like if it was if someone else played Mook I think in some of the scenes it would have been a little bit stronger with certain stuff when it comes to the acting and that's because I mean Spike Lee is not a natural actor or what he's writer director you know he's filmmaker but you know just like Woody Allen always showing up in his own movies too Spike Lee always had to show up in his movies and I think the last Spike Lee movie that he actually that he shows up in of him you know his own movie that he shows up in I believe is Summer of Sam or Bamboos I have to look it up I haven't looked up but I, I, I know the last one I remember seeing him in was Summer of Sam where he plays the he makes a cameo as the uh, news reporter interviewing people black people on the street and everything about the son of Sam killer um but you know when he first got you know into making movies he was always playing you know in his movies I mean he's in in his first movie she's gotta have it you know Mars Blackman you know that's where that character came from so he was there he was in school days he was in Mo Better Blues he was in this he was in in Malcolm X and everything or whatnot and I don't know if it's always kind of felt like if someone else played this role you know it would would it be more impactful than what we get with certain scenes especially when you get to like the conversations between him and Sal and and Pino and and him and also when he goes to see Tina later on in the movie I think if it was a better actor playing that part it would have carried a little bit more weight I would say than what Spike does because in some instances it almost seems like Spike is somewhat wooden in a way when it comes to the lines he's like he's more just reading the lines or just saying the lines but not really having any type of emotion behind it or whatnot um so as thing kind of as the day kind of progresses along um we get where bugging out is still pissed about what happened earlier that sales piece of real and it doesn't help that he is standing on the block because he, he was talking to mookie and after mookie walks away you got this white dude played by John Savage. He walks by with his bicycle and steps on uh, bugging out shoes, which is the new Jordans and everything. And he gets pissed and everyone kind of comes around as bugging out. It's kind of going off on the dude about it and whatnot. So that whole scene goes down and he's just basically trying to go around and get a boycott of Sal's Pizzeria. And no one is really, you know, down with it or whatnot. But the only person... The only person that he gets to um, even get down with the cause is Radio Raheem because earlier, Radio Raheem, he goes in the South Pizzeria and he's blasting the, the music and whatnot. And he's like, two slices. He's like, not until you turn that freaking music down. So he finally turns the music down and he gets pissed about that. The fact that he had to turn down the music, but it's like, yeah, you enter the business. You know, why you, Why do you need to be blasting the music inside the business whatnot but so he gets pissed and he's like well yeah yeah he's like okay we'll do a boycott of sales he's like yeah i'll be down with that or whatnot um so one of the things that really sticks out to me in this movie and it's very subtle this is one of those subtle things i was referring to earlier is that sal has a crush on jade um played by spike lee's sister in real life who plays his sister in the movie he has a crush on her and 
she comes to the to the pizzeria and Sal gets all, you know, nice and everything. And he's like, he's personally going to, you know, fix her something and this, that and the other sits down with her and talk to her. And moments before he comes in and he was talking trash to Mookie about Mookie being a, you know, a terrible, um, the worker or whatnot. And then Jade, when she comes in, she's like, well, how's my brother doing? Oh, he's great. He's perfect and everything like that. Cause he's like sucking up to, to Jade and everything. And it's like, Sal really, Sal really, it's like he really likes her and everything. So Mookie realizes this and he takes her out. And he's like, look, I don't want you coming around here no more. She's like, what is your problem? Like, I don't want you coming in here no more. Like he thinks Sal is just being nice to you. He wants to play hide the salami with you and everything like that. And like, look, just don't come in here no more. Like, this is where I work at. Don't come in here no more. But I always find it very funny, like how he had a crush on Jade and and everything. So right there, it shows you that Mookie, not Mookie, but Sal isn't isn't racist, you know, to some degree. He's he's not. He has an infatuation with this one. But at the same time, why doesn't he want any black people on the wall in his pizza shop? When he even works, when this pizza shop is in the middle of a black neighborhood, predominantly black neighborhood, I should say. Um, so after that, um, well, I do want to talk about, got to talk about Rosa Perez and her performance. Cause I didn't realize like she has a small part in this movie and even though it's introducing her and she does the dance and everything, but you, you kind of see her sporadically like throughout the movie as it's going on. But the biggest stuff that you get is when Mookie finally, after all day of kind of avoiding her, he finally goes to see her and they have a son named Hector or whatnot. And he goes to see her and she's pissed about the fact that he, she hasn't seen him, you know, and everything like this and want him to be a, you know, he need to get his stuff together and this, that, and the other, because he he goes over there trying to have sex with her, but she's like, oh, we ain't doing that, and he's like, oh, take your clothes off, like, we're not doing that, like, trust me, she's like, the last time I trusted you, that's how we got Hector, he's like, look, it's not what it's about, so he has her, she takes off her clothes and everything, and he kind of cools her down with this huge cube of ice and everything, Um, which, let's say, it, it, it plays for a nice, you know, little scene, but I still believe if there was a different actor playing Mookie, that it would have came off a little bit better because it's not believable seeing Spike trying to be romantic. I should say it, it doesn't come across well with him playing, playing it up like that. So, you know, and everything, but it's funny in the one scene when he goes to get the Cuba ice and the, um, Tina's mother is there with Hector and everything. It's like, how's my son doing? It's like, yeah, he wants to know how you're doing. And as he's looking in the refrigerator, she starts speaking, you know, uh, speaking Spanish in front of, to the child it's like english english it's like my son will speak english it's like it's bad enough his name is hector <laughs> what not <laughs> and everything but i mean a lot of it was going on still goes on um in regards to interracial interracial relationships and and if one is but if one side is predominantly you know with you know, the child, that's what the child will pick up. So even though the child might be black and everything, but if he's around nothing but the mother side of the family, he's going to probably speak, you know, Spanish and stuff like this and and everything. And it, I always thought that was kind of interesting. But like I said, those are the little nuances about this movie. And I mean, Jungle Fever kind of goes a little bit more deeper into that. But this movie, it just kind of plants those seeds as well about 
interracial relationships and things like that. Because even there's a scene where where Vito, you know, he wants to talk to Mookie and, and stuff like this. And and because he's down, you know, and everything, he's cool with the black people. He ain't like Pino who don't like black people. Well, he don't like he don't like regular black people, but he likes Michael Jordan and people like that because they're not black. They, well, they're they basically because they're famous. So they're not looked at as the same level as regular black people. That's his crazy mentality or whatnot. So after everything has pretty much been going on for the day is where, you know, Sal, he's feeling good about himself. Cause they've made a lot of money that day and everything. He was like, it was a successful day today and he's getting ready to close up shop and everything. And, you know, right before they closed down, um, what I call the uh, corner teenagers with um, Martin Lawrence and the rest of the group, they come there at the last minute, like, yo, 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 Sal, let's in, let's in, can we get a slice, can we get a slice? It's like, so Pino, he's like, wow, we closed, we closed. I'm like, no, oh, no, go ahead, let them in and everything. So they come in, they sit down and get ready to eat and all this type of stuff. And then out of the blue, here comes bugging out Radio Raheem with, along with Smiley, because Smiley is down for this as well. And they come in there and demanding that Sal put some black people on the wall, this, that, and the other. They get into it. Sal starts yelling and cursing, calling them niggers and this, that, and the other. So everyone, you know, gets crazy or whatnot. And that's when this whole fight happens. And Radio Raheem, because he, at this point, this is where we get to see that hate side. Because like he said earlier, if I love you, I love you. But if I hate you. Well, this is the other side of that hate because he grabs Sal, drags him out the store because everybody's fighting this point. He's literally has this death choke hold on, on Sal. He got both hands around his throat, choking him and everything. Everyone comes over trying to see what the hell is going on. The police shows up and it's the same cops that basically been patrolling the neighborhood all day. And one uh, officer long played by Rick Ayala, he him and this this uh detective i guess because he got a freaking black wife beater and jeans don't know where the hell he came from but he shows up they all show up or whatnot because raheem is basically like this six foot two 240 pound dude or whatnot so they need to use excessive force to you know take him down so officer long takes the baton has this rear choke hold on which is supposed to be illegal um and everything and he basically is choking him and everyone's standing there and say, you're killing him. You're killing him. And even the other officers tell him like, look, that's enough. That's enough. He's like, no. And everything. He's like, so he's, he basically has him off the ground by like, I want to say like a foot almost because he see his feet doing like the death rattle or whatnot. And he literally chokes him to death. And I remember when everything happened with Eric Garner, when he was murdered by the police and it was the same thing. What happened to him is exactly what happened. What happened to radio Raheem in, in, in the movie. And it was one of those rare times of like, well, this is what Spike Lee was getting across with this movie, you know, in regards to police brutality and how they played. And then here, most recent with George Floyd and also too with Breonna Taylor getting killed in her house with this whole police brutality thing and how this movie, like I said, 31 years old, but a lot of the themes in the movie 
were prevalent at the time because it happened at the time and even before and now here we are 30 something years later and the same stuff is continuing to happen and the only difference between now and then is that it's not so much that it changed it's now that it's being filmed and shown and we're seeing a lot of these people being killed on live tv we're seeing it being played out like as if it was a movie but the problem is that when these people are gone they don't come back you know they're not coming back saying yeah well this is how this scene went down and da 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 no when they're gone they're gone and the fact that we're seeing a lot of these murders played out on tv is what is really inciting a lot of these protests and inciting a lot of these riots to a degree so keeping that in line with how this movie is ending that's where we are right now really in our society right now we're at the end of do the right thing right now someone has been killed and the way they even handle it where they they take bugging out they, t- they take him away in handcuff and they beat him in the back of the car as they drive off but they literally let this man radio Rahim fall to the ground dead then they kick him a few times told him you ain't dead you ain't dead when you've had this dude in this chokehold with a freaking police baton at that him in a chokehold he's laying there on the ground his eyes are wide open you kicking him and he's not moving so they pick him up and they put him in the back seat of the car and they tell everybody to stay back stay back and then everyone's they drive off and everyone is standing there confused trying to figure out what the hell just happened and quite a few people are saying they didn't have to kill the boys and everything like this and so now all the anger is being pointed to Sal, Pino, Vito, and and Mookie who's standing right there with them. And Mookie, he just looks at Sal and he walks away. And everyone starts getting up in their faces as if they want to really do something serious to them. And that's where the mayor he steps in and he's like, Look, listen, like, look, let's let's all calm down here. Say before somebody do something that we're really gonna regret. Say is the issue isn't with Sal and his fam and his boys is with what the cops did you need to be angry with the cops well problem with that was the cops wasn't there and they feel that sal is the link to what caused radio Rahim's death so this is where they basically push past sal and everything because mookie is the one who kicks this whole thing off he goes over to one of the apartment but he grabs the garbage can takes out the trash grabs the garbage can walks over tosses the can through sal's window and then that's when everybody just rushes inside and just destroys sal's pizzeria and in the process of that is where it gets caught on fire which i always assume that smiley is the one who set the fire everybody runs out of there and it begins to burn down so now you the cops they come back along with the fire department and they're trying to put out the fire and everything and you got a lot of people yelling let it burn burn it down burn it down ruby d mother sister she's yelling burn it down and everything like this and because the people are still basically you know very amped up and you got one cop that's on the uh, bullhorn telling them to disperse and to go home and you hear somebody say well we this is our home and everything and which i always felt like that was a deeper meaning than you know them going inside their apartment as far as like we are home this is our home type of thing so they turned the water hoses on them so you get so basically spike was like 
showing you know like how it used to be when when they would be dispersing a crowd of black people you got to put the water hose on them or if they had dogs they would put the sick the dogs on them and stuff like this granted there was no dogs here but the fire you know the, the water hose and everything but the fact that the people fought back and they started you know they actually lunged and got on top of some of the firefighters as they're trying to hose them down but at the same time they're still trying to put out this freaking fire or whatnot and the last image that we really get to see is smiley inside as the place is on fire before they because i forgot about this scene yeah smiley he goes in there and he puts a picture of martin luther king and malcolm x up on the wall and he he just starts smiling and then it fades so we get to the next day south piece of ribs been destroyed mookie who basically went to um to tina and hector and everything he's sleeping with them and i've never understood i still don't really understand like why tina was so upset when mookie wakes up and she was like uh-uh you ain't going nowhere if you don't da, 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 da. you know type of thing you know rosa perez she talks real fast so i so i have to slow it down really she says mookie if you leave here we are done say so you always you never stay around you need to get your, your yourself in order and everything and he's like well i gotta go see sal about getting paid he said if i if you leave here i'm not gonna see you and because you you need to be you you need to be a man and all this type of stuff and it's like well he is trying to be a man he's trying to get paid because i'm pretty sure he's going to get money so he can probably give her some money in regards to their son but what is he supposed to do just sit there in the house all day and not make money or whatnot. So I always felt that was kind of weird. Like if there was something missing in regards to why she had so much animosity towards him leaving to go go see Sal about getting his money. So he leaves and Sal who has been there all night. Pino and Vito, they're gone, so it's just Sal there. And Sal is just he he, he doesn't understand like why did this even happen or whatnot. And He's like, this is this was my place. I built this place and burn it down. And for what, really? And Mookie is like, well, he tells him, well, I, I want my money. And Sal, he balls up the bills and he throws it to him, gives him $500. He's like, yo, he tells him, it's 250 a week. He said, I owe you, he said, I owe you $50 because he's basically throwing back 200 He said, I owe you 50 But then he picks up the other two and takes and leaves because he's like, well, I got to go see about my son. And it's kind of weird how even though Mookie is the reason why Sal's burned down because he's the one who kicks it off by throwing the garbage can through there. Him and Sal, they kind of have this conversation and they leave each other in a, I want to say, somewhat amicable way where it's like, it's almost like, yeah, I know I was wrong. I was wrong too. And now we're cool you know and everything that's how it kind of ends how it's kind of it seems like it's left for me or whatnot and and then at the end is where we get like the wraparound with the uh, minister senior love daddy he's giving a shout out to radio raheem on the radio and you know the next day it go life goes on really type of thing and that's that's basically how the movie ends and like i was saying earlier too about the fact that this movie is very prevalent and to not only at the times that we were in, because just a few years after 
do the right thing came out. You get the riots of you get the, the the L.A. riots from in 92, which is just a few years after this movie came out. And the reason why those riots happened was because of like the same type of incidents. Well, I should say incidents, but same type of situations that have occurred that led up to what happened here. And then in 94, you get the whole OJ murder trial that goes down and all the stuff that surrounded that. And the fact that OJ was, was found not guilty, you know, that, I mean, of course there's always been controversy behind that, but it just, he's found guilty. And I don't think it was so much that black people celebrated the fact that it was OJ. I think they celebrated with the fact that because he was a, he looked, you know, he was a black man and he was found innocent of this, of that crime, because I I wonder how it would have played out if OJ was found guilty. Would, would they would have had another riot on their hands and everything like that? So it's, it's always been very interesting and very timely with certain things of how it played out in, in the course of history or whatnot. And now here we are in 2020 with the same issues going down. And it's like, when are we going to get to a point where we're not doing this? When is it going to get to that point? And I don't think no one really knows when we're going to get to that point. But at the same time, I feel like change happens when sometimes you have to you have to you have to protest. You have to do peaceful marches. And in some cases, you have to do some you have to do places like they did South Peace Rick. Sometimes you got to burn some stuff down in order to get change to happen i mean everything i mean the the looting and the burning down and burning up places it's never been it's never true it's never really the the solution but at the same time to get a notice and a you know an attention on things sometimes you got to do that stuff and of course in these situations a lot of stuff has come out about who exactly has been doing the looting and things like that is isn't the best or whatnot and but i do appreciate the fact that a lot of the protests that's been going around the country and even here in florida where i live a lot of protests have been very peaceful and it's just to bring awareness to you know that we're tired of this stuff and there needs to be change and and why is it that black people are not looked at on the same level as what a white person is. And then you have these all lives matter people who will all lives matter, which is very true. All lives do matter, but all lives can't matter until black lives matter at the same time. And on the same level as white lives matter. And the fact that these police officers feel that not all of them, but some, the ones that are doing this stuff, like they feel that they can do this and it's not a problem. And that in light and that in itself is the problem. The fact that they can they feel that they can do this stuff and oh it's 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 just part of the job. I'm just doing my job. And it's like, no. It's like how would these people feel if this was happening to their loved ones and the fact that they have to see this stuff played out on TV and the fact that, you know, killed for for no damn reason by the police, the people that are supposed to protect the service. I mean, so how how is it that you couldn't just arrest this man for whatever they was trying to arrest him for just arrest him because he wasn't he wasn't fighting them or anything like that 
And I mean, just like with Radio Raheem, it it, it kind of goes to something that I heard Shannon Sharp say, where if that was him in that situation, they probably would shoot him too because he's he's shooter brother size, which is basically he's six two two forty, he's big, he's black, you know, or whatnot. So instead of trying to restrain him the right way, the best thing to do is all just kill him because we 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 can't do nothing with him type of thing and it's just getting to the point of where it's just it's that's no, not getting to the point it's beyond the point of being tired people are tired and black people are tired and a lot of people who that are not black that are supporting everything that's supporting the protest and and are on the same side they're tired it's just it's like when it when will it be enough what will it take for it to be enough and that's where we are right now. And the fact that you still have this whole pandemic thing going on at the same time. Now you got the whole, you know, protesting going on. Going, It just, just I know a lot of people have been saying on social media, it's like, this has been a crazy year. And we just got to June. It's like, what else is in store for this year and everything? And it's just not only you you're trying to come out of a pandemic, but now you're into the whole racial tension and it's weird too that for those two months that people were pretty much on lockdown everything was cool calm and collected and then soon as they start letting people back out and whatnot you get this happen you get the brianna taylor thing happen and it's like so what these people they just they couldn't they couldn't just be cool they had to just do it's like that's their nature i guess so they just had to you know kill and everything so it's it, like i say it's very it's very tough and to deal with and it's exhausting and things of that nature but i just felt like i wanted to talk about this movie to talk about um give my feelings and thoughts on how this movie and how what's going on in our society right now is still very much the same the movie is a representation of what's going on right now things start out fine then all of a sudden something happens and next thing you know you're off to the races and you're trying to figure out but what i want to know is how do we get to the point of where you have that conversation of sal and mookie how do when do we get to that point and then when you walk away everyone seems to be cool with the other side because nothing will nothing will be solved until that actually happen and the laws need to change and that's why it's so important for people to get out and vote not only for the president but for your local elections because those are even more important than actually voting for the president yes you should vote for the presidency but you need to vote in your local elections you need to vote for your mayors your congressmen um your your, your judges and everything your city council people you need to vote for that stuff because that stuff directly affects you and if you get enough of the right people in your neighborhood and your communities in position, then that goes up to where you have the right people that's sent from your state to represent in Congress. And then those are the ones that hold the president accountable for the stuff that he or she tries to do. So you need to think about that, people. So I want to leave you all with that. Um, if I have to give a movie a rating, I mean, it's a it's a five out of five for me just because of the social commentary and how important it is to you can look at this movie. it's one of the few movies that you can look at and it's a representation of what goes on in society 
Um, I don't have a favorite character for this. I decided not to do a favorite character or whatnot because that's not really what this movie is is about as far as for me at least um, and everything. Um, I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. Um, of course, you can find me on the Twitter at JMovieTalk. Of course, make sure you follow the TV Zone podcast on Twitter as well. Uh, of course, you can find all of the TV Zone podcast uh, episodes on the TV Zone podcast network. You can find my podcast too, J Movie Talk on TV Zone podcast network. I have a new episode that's going to be coming out since I do have old school June going on and everything. Last week I did in the heat of the night, in the heat of the night, 1967's in the heat of the night. Uh, for episode 163, <clears throat> for episode 163, um, and for episode 164, I'll be doing uh, 1967's Point Blank, which starred Lee Marvin, uh, so you can look forward to hearing that episode later on during the week, and of course, uh, I do plan on doing a recap of Watchmen, um, just got to talk to somebody to see if they want to join me to do it, I want to do that before uh, Lovecraft County comes out because that's going to be the next uh, tv series that's going to be covered on tv's own podcast um and everything like that so i want to thank you guys for listening of course you can find all of the episodes well the network i should say find tv's own podcast network um my host site of course is anchor but of course if you on any of the podcast catchers such as um stitcher itunes google spotify wherever you listen to your podcast just type in tv's own podcast network it'll come up and you'll find all of the shows and content that we have that's a part of the network on those um, podcast catchers and everything I want to thank you guys again for listening and peace